0: Back to in the ballpark and it is absolute thrill and a privilege to have your company today and it's hard to believe that it has been nearly an entire year since we have recorded an episode but we're on the eve of the 2021 final series and it is fair to say maxi and frisey we have made it through most of the part of season 2021 but again so many thrills, so many unexpected results, and here we are in one of the most exciting final series.
1: Oh, I just I don't even know where to where to start. Hasn't that can, can you believe we had a we had a final series last year that started it started in October? Now here we are with one starting in August. Now I don't want to make the entire show this week about the dons, but I know that's going to be hard for the three of us to manage. But who knows? You mentioned uh, Serps. It was it, it's probably two to three hundred odd days since our last. Chat. Well, the six odd thousand days is uh is the big talking point, isn't it? But I'm sure we'll cover that off. Gents, it is a thrill to be back and uh, looks like four cracking games ahead of us this weekend. It's a lot going on, isn't there, sir? Since the last time we spoke, I think
2: as the bombers, we were the laughing stock of the competition, and all of a sudden <laughs> it's Carton's turn. And with today, I think it was probably the most least shocking coaching sacking of. Probably one of the ones that I can remember, at least. But, yeah, a lot's changed since last time we spoke.
0: And Maxi and Frizi, I'm pretty sure, and not to bring politics into it, but was Donald Trump still the President of the United States last time we recorded in oh. the hall park?
2: <laughs> I, think, I think a lot of things have changed since the last time we spoke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Unfortunately, COVID is still around, and hence, why, gentlemen, We are having two finals in Tasmania. Now, Tasmania still don't have an AFL team, but they look a little bit closer to getting one. But how strange is it that potentially Essendon could win their first final since 2004, 6,000 however many days you said, Frizi, and it won't even be in Victoria. It'll be in Tasmania. Guys, I know it sounds a bit selfish, but you almost want us to be there to see it, but it's a bloody
1: long swim. (laughs) You do. You certainly do. Serps. We've seen that many losing ones. We have become accustomed to it. I've, I've got to say, uh, it, yeah, I, I do feel that it's almost the great irony of being a bomber supporter in the last de- decade or so that it's now come down to this. But come on, gents, this is it. It's, it's, it's gonna end. It's gotta end. I can just. It, it, it has that feeling in the air. Um, now that I've said that, watch it all turn very ugly. <laughs> I must say, as well, gents, it is you know, and as as we know, and I'm sure the entire football world knows. I mean, there's a there's a Facebook and a Twitter page, um, for it. For goodness' sake, 2004, as you mentioned, I just want to shout out. It is a huge week. To slightly go off topic, a huge week for Australian Test captain Tim Payne, his beloved team playing a final in his uh, home state. I mean, the the last time that, uh, of course, the Dons won one. The guy hadn't even um, Played a first-class game of cricket. I mean, for goodness sake, the iPhone hadn't even been invented. So there you go. Again, as as I said at the top, I'd I'd hate for us to um, consume this all with uh, Essendon related content. But gee, it's it's sort of hard not to, isn't it? It is an enormous weekend. I saw there's a. Um, it was like, do you know those last two minute clips at the AFL
2: post? They uploaded one of those of the demons game that we won. Today and there was on the like on the outside of the boundary advertising there was crazy Johns and I was like, Jesus Christ,
1: it is a long time.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean you can't help but look into what was happening in two thousand and four. I-, I did some some Googling today and Orlando Bloom, Paris Hilton, they're all on top of the, the charts, like in popularity. And you know, a lot has changed. It's it's unbelievable. And you know, watching back that game as well, David Hill was playing and he had a nice set of hair too. So pretty unbelievable stuff. heard right. Hurdy all running around as well, Frise.
1: Uh that's right. Look to to illustrate it even more, gents. Um even though, you know, it's already well known, but uh, it, it was pre, you know, the, the renovation works getting done at the MCG, I think, which even just the thought of that is, yeah, astounding. Here we are, uh, you know, three, three guys in our mid-20s that were probably seven or eight years old at that point. So there you go.
0: I've got to say, gents, as well, about the Bombers this season, two and six looking pretty shaky, Game plan maybe not quite there. And it's an enormous turnaround from where we were last season where there was nearly a mass exodus happening. And I think a lot of us had our hearts in our mouth this season about the re-signing of several key bombers, including Zach Merritt, who has been touted as a captain on multiple occasions for the club. And despite all of the confusion and all the craziness that was 2020 for the the Bombers and a lot of people expected us to finish bottom four, it's incredible that with one game to go in round 23, there we are already securing our final spot due to St Kilda beating Fremantle. So going into that final game against Collingwood, we didn't necessarily have to win it. And a lot of times we've had to come from behind in a lot of our seasons. 2019 is a good example of it, a recent example of it. This season, I'll tell you what, we really got it right in our, the second half of the season, didn't we, gents?
2: Feels, it feels like to me that the last few times that we've played finals, it's been that we've just limped into finals, whereas throughout this entire year, but recently as well, it sort of felt like this is a different Essendon. I know we've obviously got a new coach, but it sort of feels like a different culture amongst the players as well. And like we usually get nervous, and I'm sure I'll be nervous on the day, but I'm actually looking forward. To playing the Bulldogs and I'm sure some of that is because we beat them only a few weeks ago and, you know, whether or not playing in Tasmania will have an have an impact and I'm sure the Bulldogs aren't going to play as poorly as what they did and uh, I think it was the third quarter where they had probably five or six shots where they should have really kicked them. Like, it was a patch of like five minutes in that third quarter going into three-quarter time where there was probably, I think Josh Bruce missed like two or three goals from like five metres out. So, I'm sure we won't get... And Peter Wright kicked seven goals, which is as much as I
1: love him. I don't think he'll kick seven goals this week, but we're going into form, and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we're going we're going in with form. That's spot on, Maxi. It's so it, well, it's something that we we I think uh, as as SN fans, it's it, it's become rare, I guess, heading into the and you know you look back at those. Rather bizarre and um, sometimes uh, really ugly elimination finals that, that the Bombers have had. It's been five in a row where they've been on the on the wrong side of those. And I think on almost every occasion, as as you mentioned, they, they've sort of limped into the finals somehow. Form not great, really unconvincing, and most of the time they've met an opponent that's quite the opposite. Whereas this time, heading in, it's. Almost so. The bombers have got the the form on their side, and really, with um, I dare say, less to lose. It's a it's a little bit of a of a free hit this game. It feels like from an Essendon perspective. I I can't recall exactly, lads, but I think that uh, that final uh, show or two last year when the twenty twenty one predictions came out, I recall Essendon were anywhere between probably tenth and fourteenth. I think between us here. So uh, the the mere thought of them making the eight then was 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 unheard of completely. And I'll also touch on what Maxi was just saying before about
0: going into the finals in really good form. And to be honest, I was more nervous last week about us missing finals than this week being in the finals. I love the build up to the finals. You buy any kind of newspaper and they've got all the different clubs, you know, full portrait pictures of the entire team. And regardless of the result, absolutely, there's just more of a sense of just being proud. And being ahead of probably where a lot of people predicted us to be and probably where I predicted us to be as well. Mm. Uh, it's an extraordinary effort. And I just think that, you know, I was more nervous about getting knocked out by Collingwood last week. And now that now that I'm here in the finals, it's like, you're absolutely right, see It is a free hit. There is really nothing to lose. And I think it was fantastic that, that this season as well, there's just been so many defining moments for the club where you could just you could almost put your finger on it and say that was the turning point. And to have multiple turning points in one season, it, it does make you proud to be a supporter again. Did, guys, did, did any stand out for you as the sort of the the turning point moment in season twenty twenty one for the Dons?
2: I think when we do, you remember that Port Adelaide game? I think it was round two. We've just come off the we've just come off the, losing to Hawthorne by a point after we had that insane, I think it was the second quarter of round one, where I think we we kicked something crazy, like 10 goals or something, and then the very next quarter, Hawthorne kicked like eight goals in a row or something, and we just thought, oh... This is, We thought it was a new Essen, but just in that 30 minutes where Hawthorne kicked all those goals, we just thought this is the exact same Essen. And then the next week we go over to Port Adelaide and we get thumped. I can't even remember. It must have been 10 goals or something. And Jai Caldwell does his hamstring or something and Dylan Shield gets injured. Um Sam Draper also gets injured. And you just think, Jesus Christ, we're in for a terrible year. And the very next week we end up beating St Kilda, but I think it was like 75 points. I think. Mm-hmm. And you think... Gee, something's going on here. So that's the one that stands out to me. But I know you said you were nervous about losing to Collingwood and Gold Coast. But when you think about our backline this season, it's <laughs> if I told you last year that our backline was going to be Jaden Laverty, uh, Jimmy Stewart, and Nick Hind, like you wouldn't have picked it. But going into the last two weeks, like you've got trust in our backline and. I actually wasn't that nervous because I looked at the Collingwood team and I looked at the Gold Coast team and you just think these teams aren't going to be able to score against us. Mm -hmm. I think we kept Collingwood to 60 points and Gold Coast to, what was it, 40 points or 50 points. It's just like, this isn't a fluky Essendon team like we were under John, um, John Westfall. It's actually a team built on a fair bit of substance. So... Yeah, I think, and it's built ever from that St Kilda game. I know we lost games after that, but ever since that St Kilda game, you just thought, no, this, is an, this actually is a different team to the one that was
1: coached under John Worswell. To pinpoint games, that was definitely one. I think that that mid-season um, sort of come from behind win over in the West to take down the Eagles, I thought that was pretty impressive. It seemed like that one really um, just brought the whole group of them together and perhaps increased the supporters' belief thereafter. Again, as you mentioned, there was that little mid-season sort of speed hump, if you like, they hit for a few weeks thereafter. Um, but even that even that win, because obviously and, another little thing that sort of goes Destin's way heading into the, the weekend, whether or not it has, um, you know, a, a, an effect on their state of mind, who knows, but they're obviously one from one down there in Tassie this year, that, that game where they just hung on to um, to grind out that that win over the Hawks. And even then, you sort of think, okay, not the strongest opposition at the moment, but it was sort of perhaps a 50-50 game that um, they're able to edge in front and win down there in front of it. Might I add, what was a, a hugely pro Essendon crowd down there that Sunday, and uh, you'd be hoping for much of the same this weekend. Uh, again, still... Can't believe it, boys, that we've got a final series starting in August. All I'll say to that is the last time that even happened was 2000, funnily enough.
0: Unbelievable, Frizey. You have dug into the record books. Wow. Maxi, what you said about the backline is so true. And I think Devin Smith summarized it perfectly in his post game interview in round 23. He said, It is a backline full of misfits. You know, most of these players were initially found in the forward line or found in very suspect positions on the field, thinking that's where they're meant to play. But, you know, you look back at their record and a lot of those players did play, you know, underage football in those positions. But it's taken until a coach like Truck to say, gee, you've got some real natural talent in those positions, play a role, and guess what? We're getting results. And I think it's a very role-playing-driven club now, you know. It's, It's no longer left down to the individual's brilliance it's now left down to pretty much the whole side to play their role and see how well they can play. I mean, gosh, guys, you'd, you'd be struggling to, to think of the number one improver at Essendon. There's, there's several, honestly, and you could make a case for all of them. Very strong cases for all of them. It's just been a, a great all-round performance for everyone. And three All-Australian squad selections as well for the Bombers, which we haven't had for quite a while, gents.
2: Yeah, I think the last time we had three was would have been 2017 when we had that decent year. I think it was Danaher, Hurley and Merrick from from memory. But um, yeah, Jakey Stringer's has obviously been in incredible form. He's probably the informed player in the competition just about, considering I think Bont was probably up until that sort of period where um, where Jakey Stringer took off. And it was, I think it was that Hawthorne game that Fries was just mentioning where he kicked something, I think he kicked four or five goals. or But he's just been consistent. Like everyone was saying... Um, before he signed that contract, that he'll get his contract and then he'll go to the old Jack. But there's just been no signs of that. And I can't wait for him to play his old side in an elimination final and hopefully he can get the job done for us.
0: Oh, let's hope so, because for Ozzy, I tell you what, the, the way he was playing against the Bulldogs and some of his deliveries outside of the centre was just unbelievable. Like Put it on an absolute platter for our forwards, Peter Wright included in that. I mean, you're absolutely right. He is the informed player. No Dustin Martin in this final series. The big question that's been asked all week is, is he Dustin Martin? Is he the next Dustin Martin? Is he the next big finals performer? Yes, we would have obviously liked to be in the top four, so give him more chances (laughs) to play. But at the same time, Ben Rudden has been at a club where he's seen Dustin Martin live and coached him. So clearly they've made a game style that is based around, you know, really strengthening what Jake Stringer can do and really pinpointing his brilliant things that he's able to do on the field. And for I've got to say, he is one of the most exciting players coming into the final series.
1: Well said, Seb. I, I tell you what, the... The remarkable, um, I suppose, improvement in, in consistency as well. It, it just adds another uh, dimension to, to Essendon that sort of obviously wasn't there beforehand. And from an opponent perspective, you know, you'd hate to you'd hate to come up against it in a final series as well. I know that 2016 feels like a long, long time ago. You think back five years, even then, he was pretty instrumental in that Bulldogs. Final series. It was only about his third or fourth season, I think. Then certainly wasn't overawed one bit by the stage. So he's one of not many players uh, in Essendon's camp that have sort of been there, done that when it comes to finals. So uh, incredible. Just on that, I will say the I think the optimism is certainly warranted from a Bombers' perspective. I mean, hey, I'm I'm no different. I do think, despite their really patchy, uh, uncertain form coming in. The, the first half, especially of the season, showed us how electric the Bulldogs can be. I'm sure we'll see a, a different version of them come out this week, perhaps compared to, say, the last month or so.
0: Yeah, we definitely won't be taking them lightly, considering they pretty much were on the top of the ladder for the entire season. And it was just those last three to four rounds where they really started struggling and shot themselves in the foot. Ultimately, and again, the Bulldogs have an elimination final, which they would be sweating over hugely. So it just makes their task to win another elusive premiership that little bit harder. We are going to get into the other results, gentlemen, because – Believe it or not, Essendon aren't the only team that are in the final series. But just finally on the Bombers, what for you guys has been one of the most unexpected things or unexpected players that you've seen from Essendon this year, other than just their incredible surge into the top eight?
2: I'll probably start with Jaden (laughs) Laverty. I was struggling to think if he was going to get a game this season, especially playing in the back line. So he's probably, in terms of improvement, I think you could say Darcy Parrish's ceiling is probably the most improved. But if you take players from say what they were out of ten, Darcy Parish is probably maybe a six or a seven and he's gone to an eight or a nine. Mm. Whereas Jaden Laverti was realistically he was probably a three or a four and he's gone to about a seven or an eight. So I think he's actually in terms of if you'd say a relative rating, I think Jaden LaVerty's actually probably improved more, even though Darcy Parish's ceiling is probably higher.
0: Yeah, he's well and truly saved his football career, Maxi. A lot of time there just didn't really seem like he just felt really lost. And I think players, when they don't have roles, I mean, I just feel like they almost, the psychology behind them, they almost get injured easier. They just can never quite get themselves right. They they don't have the confidence in their body. They don't have the confidence in their ability. But seeing what he's been able to do in the back line, Maxi, he's been playing, as you mentioned, on some of the best forwards in the comp. And he, he has been out-muscling them and outplaying them and outmarking them too, which is a huge credit to him. And uh, he had an amazing Anzac day as well. Uh, So many amazing games. That was the one that stood out for me. I wholeheartedly
1: agree that uh, Laverde and and Parrish probably stand out. Um, Big Sammy Draper as well, for one. I know he missed probably more footing than he played in the end, but um, he's taken to AFL level just seamlessly um and of course the other one that we mentioned a little earlier in uh, in James Stewart. I mean there's there's two guys there being Laverde and Stewart, who sort of become the um almost the the cornerstone of that Essendon backline whereas 12 months ago you're looking at two careers there that were completely at the crossroads no idea how long potentially left sort of thing and look I dare say as well, come at a particularly appropriate time with the uh, kale Hooker and Paddy Ambrose retirements. And if anything, that patched-up back line has become ultra-reliable. Now, you you couldn't have imagined the turnaround. Mason redmond has been outstanding as well. And considering that um,
2: he was actually in the same draft as Parrish and Francis, so that actually makes that draft look a lot better <laughs> considering both Parrish and Redmond have had outstanding years. And Francis in the last few weeks has actually looked Pretty comfortable forward. Considering our back line, I thought it was sort of an interesting mix when he was actually playing in the back line because I thought we had a lot of third tall defenders. I thought Ridley, Francis, and Laverty are all size wise. In my eyes, they're kind of third talls. Be interesting next year when Hurley and potentially Zach Reed do come back, what that um, back line mix actually looks like. But Redmond as well has been an, another standout in terms of lifting his rating from last year.
0: And Maxi the red dog, Carney, kick a big ball from outside 60. Unbelievable.
2: He did it easy last week. Very sweet. Oh, he hit that sweet. He did. Like, it looked like he was just, it was just smooth. Like, he wasn't trying to kick it, you know, 60 meters. It just did it smooth. And it sailed over like five meters across the line. Just quickly on the team. So, in for the Bulldogs, Scott, West, and Gardner. So, from memory, Gardner's a tall defender. I think that's right. And we've named Caldwell in the extended squad. I know that's Sunday team. So whether or not he'll play or not, who knows, but it'll be interesting to see if they potentially, Mm. because they've had Cox in the last few weeks as many sub, but they haven't used him. So I'm just wondering if they actually, if they're going to put Caldwell, at least in the squad, if they might choose to put him as the medical sub or considering how flexible Cox is as a player. And I know he's played on the wing, but he could play anywhere. So just be interesting if they, with Cox as the medicsupp as they
1: have the last few weeks, or they actually go with Caldwell. Been a long time uh, waiting there, but look, they've thrown him in for the heat of a final. So who knows if indeed he's in that starting lineup? Well, I'm sure you can uh, you can bet your life he'll be ready. Interesting as well, there, boys. Those team announcements do show us that uh, there's no sign of a return for Anthony, Donald, and Donald Tipping Woody, which uh, is. Probably something we didn't want to see in a final, but look, that's that's okay. We've got to pick um, the best available for the week totally. And I noticed as well, guys, that it, so it looks as though the Bulldogs have not... Decided no to Martin. go for Steph Martin. Either
0: yes, Lewis Young and Tim English will both be playing in the ruck. I think Sam Draper would just be licking his lips. <laughs> he won't be getting too ahead of himself, but he'll be thinking, "I think I'm going to have a fun day in Tasmania."
2: I'm sort of thinking whether they just go with Lewis Young in the middle, and they'll play Tim English forward. Which, to be fair, he actually looks like a half decent forward to me. But you know, they've obviously they've drafted him as a as a ruckman, and they've put a lot of time into him as a ruckman. So. Yeah, big Sammy's got a big job. And considering last time that uh, we played, I think we kicked something crazy, like 10 goals from stoppages. So considering that they haven't picked Steph Martin, um, the Bulldogs are going to have a big job to stop us scoring out of the midfield.
1: Can I say, boys, Is uh, just going back to uh, to young Mace Redmond for a moment, is he going to tackle the life out of Bontepelli again this week? Because I tell you, if you thought it was intense five or six weeks ago, this is the first week of the finals. It's only going to be worse. I feel sorry for him. That That's one of the best
0: tackles I've seen yeah. all year, and I love the aggressiveness. And they go, oh, sorry, Mason, it's a little bit too aggressive. You're too much of a mongrel. You're no longer a red dog. You're a dingo.
1: <laughs> Certainly. Guys, didn't Maxi Gorn withstand the pressure that was on the plate uh, on Saturday night? I, I tell you what, can I ask fellas, I don't know how much of it you may have seen either live or thereafter, but there was a potentially uh, controversial, deliberate out of bounds paid about 30 or 40 seconds before that ball went inside 50 to, to end up with Gorn. Not sure if you saw it, but it got me thinking gee, I mean, player was penalised for, for kicking forward in, in a really sort of scrappy um, situation. Not not too sure about that. The one that I thought was just downright silliness from the Geelong player was a little bit after that was just to proceed to punch the ball about 20 rows back into the stands, which actually resulted in the 50-metre penalty to, to for the ball to end up with gone, which um, looking back, I, I can't recall the Cats player, I'm sorry, but gee... The conversation with Chris Scott afterwards, I can only imagine the nature of that. Would you have called or that 50-meter I penalty? I don't know about that. Yeah, it was very, very tight, wasn't it? I think it's probably fair enough. I mean, it was it was really sort of clumsy from the from the Cats player to do that. It's not uh, a great act for your team at the best of times, but to do it in that situation, goodness me, um, I i wouldn't have been able to look uh, Scotty in the eye after the game. Mm. It was definitely there it's definitely
2: to make a penalty but sometimes umpires you know swallow the whistle in that scenario in the last few minutes and considering the importance of that game whoever won was going to be the minor premier so mm-hmm.
1: yeah the umpire definitely got it right but you know a few umpires would have would have swallowed the whistle in that scenario i can only imagine what his what his teammates and his coach might have said to him afterwards you know even just to just sort of pull him aside and said you know young man, next time, you might not want to do that.
0: (laughs) It was, it was definitely a brain fade. You could tell he was frustrated with, with Guffrey's kick, but come on, Brad close. You got to be better than that, mate. While we're on the topic, gents, we are going to look at the road to glory, the road to the grand final. And the team that went down on Saturday night, are one of the first teams that come up on Friday night against Port Adelaide. guys, there is a sense, and, and and correct me if I'm wrong, there is a sense of deja vu here. Did these two teams play each other in the qualifying final last year at Adelaide Oval? Yes, they did. There you go. <laughs> there you go.
2: It was, that, it was that game that, do you remember, I think Tom Hawkins had like four or five set shots and he just kept on missing.
0: He did. That's the game. That is the game. And Stevie Motlop had a night out.
2: That's right, from memory. I would say, though, that when they played earlier in the year, from memory, um, I think Geelong won by I think three or four goals. But Jeremy Cameron was actually playing directly on Ali earlier and he had a night out. So it'll be interesting to see if Port what they do with Ali earlier because if Jeremy Cameron plays on him again, then he could run right. So if I was Ken Hinckley, I'd be doing everything to make sure that Ali is potentially playing on, you know, someone not as dangerous as Jeremy Cameron, even if he plays them on one of the Geelong small forwards, as um. You see, with other teams like who put their good intercepting defender on one of the smalls or one of the um, forwards who plays higher up the field. So, if I was Ken Inkley
1: I'd be doing everything to make sure that Alire is not playing on Jeremy Cameron. They've got quite a finals history, really. These two teams don't they? I can think mm. of several just off the top, so seven. you know, going back perhaps fifteen or so years. Of course, um, none probably better known than uh, that that incredible two thousand and seven Grand Final. But look, that that aside. Um, Yes, it is extraordinary that we we now have the, the corresponding game again, first up um, the Friday night this time. Of course, another thing that we'll probably um, touch on at some point is that, that Bombers game, of course, happens to be a Sunday final, the first one of those in seven years, I believe. So for perhaps the traditionalists among us, nice to see that back, you might say. Um, yeah, this is a one of uh, i would say probably four potentially very close and very difficult games to pick which is probably what you want to see it's a good thing coming in to week one um just as a side here boys now of the top four if you if you've got to pick one of the top four that are the perhaps your most likely candidate to bounce out in straight sets perhaps who who is it? I I almost want to say it, it is the cats but I, I bearing in mind what they're capable of Certainly don't want to don't want to brush them aside for a second either. Um, but I do feel like with the perhaps the list profile and where things are at, it's almost gotta happen for them this year. Having said that, I feel like we almost say that about Geelong every year, don't we? Yeah. <laughs> you keep wondering,
2: you keep waiting for them to fall off, but they never do. Just quickly, so Port Adelaide have Fantasia in and Georgiard is out. So I think he did his hamstring. And Geelong get Duncan back and Max Holmes goes out of the side, but I think Sean Higgins is going to play as the medical sub again. So interesting changes there.
0: Frizi, it's a great question that you pose. And I would like to say it's going to be Brisbane because I am expecting Brisbane potentially to go down to Melbourne. And then if they come up against the Hot Dons, well, they might have a fight on their hands, Frizi.
1: That scenario hadn't yet crossed my mind, but it's great that you've put that into perspective for us. Um, it does appear that, on more occasions than not, we end up with a top four team that for whatever reason doesn't go to plan and they end up um, out in week two. I did read an interesting stat. I am fairly certain in reading uh, this week that a team has never actually won it from fourth. So I don't know what that suggests about the Brisbane Lions, but it, it, would, appear, it would appear fourth and eighth were the only positions where it hadn't been done everywhere else that had been achieved. Not sure what that means. Probably nothing.
0: The bogey number, Icy, The bogey position on the ladder. The other one that I found was quite interesting is for the last 10 years, for all the teams to finish on top of the ladder, only one of those teams has converted their top finish into a premiership, and that was Hawthorne, I'm pretty sure, back in 2013.
2: I wonder if it has anything to do with the um, pre-finals bye, which has been scrapped for this season.
0: Mm-hmm. But, gents... Talking about Brisbane Lions, they come up against the Demons at the Adelaide It's the Demons' home game. And first and foremost, wouldn't it be great for Melbourne fans if they were able to watch? But Mm. particularly this last game, they've just found ways to win in in parts of the game where you think, well, you, you almost need a timeout, you almost need a coach to get into these players' ears, but they're just so well coached, they're so mature, their back line's so strong, and... They've just got one of the best players in the comp being Max Gorn, who just again continues to monster anyone in his way. So they are the premiership favourite right now as we're speaking on this program. And, you know, there's no reason why they can't win it. But they're going to have some stern opposition, aren't they, Fryezy, against the Brisbane Lions? That
1: was the strongest celebration for a six-goal win I think you've ever seen. um, There you go. All for good reason, though, as well, I must say. And that's why they're now here where they are this week. Yeah, look, difficult to um, go past Melbourne, though, for this one, I think, for their best chance to to maybe go all the way in such a long, long time. You've got these long-suffering fans now. The, the, at the moment now, God, they're probably suffering more than just about any of the other teams, I think, by by this point. Um, and, you know, the thought of the the big day, the big occasion, not even being at the MCG with it, oh, you a lot of these things, fellas, you couldn't script them. Playing against Melbourne and being an Essendon supporter, watching
2: Joe play against Stephen May when Stephen May was playing for Gold Coast, Stephen May was probably one of the opponents that gave Joe the most trouble. But even watching that early game earlier in the season when um, I think Joe struggled a bit against Stephen May, so I'm really looking forward to seeing how Stephen May handles him and as well as I'm sure you're going to see Jake Lever come over the top with, the, with that um, fist a lot of the time, so... It'll be interesting to see how he goes this week, but I'm sure once he uh, – Brisbane have got the double chance, so I'm sure he's going to
1: have a, an effect at some stage. Perhaps, um, a, I mean, a full season uninterrupted no doubt helps as well, but seems to be probably working harder than he ever has before. I mean, I, I do um, acknowledge those those 16 and uh, 2017 seasons he had for, for Essendon were pretty outstanding as well, but never really reached those levels again thereafter. I think straight away the signs were there that um, this boy loves the occasion and perhaps even lifts um, a level or two once he gets there. So I uh, no doubt that um, particularly if uh, they can they can get themselves past week two, um, yeah, it would be quite a daunting uh, task coming up against him. I would have thought, particularly when uh, when confidence levels are, are high, that's for sure.
0: He was a confidence player, so. Any team that comes up against him will have his hands full, but I'm sure Stephen May will remind him
1: about the record that he has against him. On that, guys. Yeah, heading into uh, to this weekend and uh, and Saturday's game, are are they your tip heading in? Do you think uh, it's potentially a very very tricky one? I think this one Melbourne be too good. Best team all year. I think they'll win. I'm thinking the same, fellas. Yeah, hard to hard to go against them at this point. Agree.
0: Yeah, that's three for Melbourne. I completely agree. I think they're, get, they're going to ride that emotion from the weekend with Maxie Gorn. They would have been feeling good all week, but also very focused. So I think this is their game. This is their year. We are about to talk about GWS in their final, but GWS with pick two from Collingwood. And Collingwood are just going to scrape in, I think, with points to get... Nick Dakos. gee whiz, pick two to GWS, a team that's already got so much young talent. Gee, can they get any more?
2: <laughs> yeah, they struck gold there. It's sort of the danger that can come with trading future picks. But um, yeah, I think Collingwood tried to rationalize that by saying that they had, I think they got four or five picks in the sort of teens, 20s, and 30s last, last draft. And a few of their younger players have actually come on and for. You know, to give some of our Collingwood uh, fans some hope, I've actually do like some of the look of their younger players
1: this year, but um, yeah, GWS have rotted them there with pick two flip side of that is you see just as many of them tend to walk out the door as those yeah. that come in. Um, <laughs> yeah. Probably and
0: go to Collingwood for Ozzy. <laughs>
1: that's that's right. It's it, it sort of appeared. Um, yeah, Collingwood, Essendon, and Carlton are kind of the destination. Clubs for Giants that are uh, on the way out. It's very unusual, isn't it?
0: It's hard to believe that Sydney absolutely came storming out of the gates and upset the reigning premiers being Richmond, and the first team to beat The Sydney Swans, when they were in incredible form, was in fact the GWS Giants in the Battle of the Bridge. So clearly, gents, that rivalry continues. And this is the third time, in fact, that they're playing in the finals against each other. So they are really starting to create an incredible
2: rivalry. Yeah, it's interesting. I think, as you said, this is the third time they're going to play a final against each other. And they've played twice this year already. I think the first time, as you said, that GWS beat Sydney, it was that Josh Kelly goal, the left foot snap. And then the second game that played was that game where I think it was two or three players of each side got kicked out of the game in the hour before the game um, because they went to that rugby game in Melbourne. So they've had two interesting clashes just on the ins and outs. Sydney lose Callum Mills um, and I think Robbie Fox is out, but he might be the... um, Medical Sub, as well as Campbell, whereas GWS get um, Mumford and Toby Green back. So both sides have beaten each other. But the last two finals games they've played against each other, GWS have won both times. So considering that Sydney have both Mills and Josh Kennedy's out as well, I've got a sneaky feeling that the Giants are actually going to win this game.
1: Ooh,
2: Matty.
0: Wow, that, that is a that's a big tip. But you're absolutely right; those ins do suggest that the Giants. Well, whenever they have Shane Mumford, big mummify in their team, they seem to win more often than not. Fries, are you
1: in agreement with Maxi here? They can get this done. It's a not with a not with a great deal of certainty about the tip, but I, I they're my pick just in probably a close contest. Um, fully expecting four close games this week. In truth if I look at it on the surface. But having said that, we know that doesn't always go the way. And this should be a ripper. I did see a couple of pieces during the week uh, mentioning that Mummy is uh, taking no prisoners this weekend. He's intending to go out with a with a bang more or less, I think. Uh, as he so often does, we know the way that he plays, and I do think it lifts the confidence of that side. there's no doubt. Um, you just imagine you know yourself being being on that guy's uh, team, you'd probably walk a bit taller, I would have thought. So their absolute best this year has looked fantastic and probably slightly above uh, even the best fleet at the Swansea plate, although having said that they, they did have that unbelievable first half of the year in particular. Gee, this one, is, this one is tricky, but yeah, Giants for mine as well, just. The big forward debate
0: in this game is obviously going to be very interesting, but gents, I couldn't believe that this final coming up is going to be Jesse Hogan's first ever final. He's had so much luck not go his way. And obviously a lot of that is, is attributed to himself as well, making some pretty awful decisions at parts of his career. But he's at his third club now, gents. He was practically the number one pick back in the day. And here he is playing in GWS Giants colours in a state where he's not originally from. Here he is playing in his first ever final. It's it's pretty unbelievable. And then at the other end of the ground, gents, we've got a guy who's getting very close to a thousand goals and Gillan McLaughlin has came out saying, no, we don't want anyone running onto the field. Well, I tell you what, COVID protocols are going to get broken if Buddy kicks a 1,000. Who's winning out of these two key forwards in this game, gents?
2: Sam Taylor actually has a pretty good record on Buddy in the, the last time they played. So I'm looking forward to seeing that battle. But as I said, Hogan, his first final, he's been at the wrong clubs at the wrong time. He was, I don't think he was at Melbourne in 2018 when they played that final series. He would have been in Fremantle that time. so. Well, Generally, throughout his career, he's been at the wrong place at the wrong time until now, where he's. I think he actually made a pretty good decision going to the Giants because he's not in a football centric state, and he's also he's away from some of the bad influences that he might have been around in his time in Perth. So I know he's he's had his injuries this season, but I think he's actually made the right decision going to GWS. But who knows? Who knows which one of them is going to perform better?
0: Yeah, you're absolutely right, Maxie. Sam Taylor, he has won those battles against Buddy in recent times, and he's been one of the most outstanding emerging stars coming out of this season. I mean, obviously, you know, he played in that grand final, but he's just went to new heights with his game, and he is a very exciting prospect. And and the rest of their backline as well has been pretty impressive too. That they, they just look like a really well coached group. This Who are season. you tipping? Oh Jesus, you had to ask me. Oh gosh. I'm going to actually tip Sydney in this one. I'm going to tip them by a couple of goals. But I do completely agree with your arguments there, though. I think GWS are
2: coming into this game with a lot of good form. I was sort of just picturing in my head the last few times that they've played um, finals. <laughs> they've been pretty aggressive clashes from the Giants. I think they sort of live off that. And I can also picture um, a few times, I think it was that Collingwood preliminary final that last quarter, the, the Giants' back line just seems to hold up like when they're under pressure. I think... Matt, do you guys remember that preliminary final where Collingwood had all the play in the last five minutes? but They just couldn't score. They couldn't get through that Giants back line. So, yeah, that's the reason
1: why I have tipped them. They were just resisting everything that uh, night when Collingwood were coming back uh, with the crowd behind them, throwing everything at them. It's interesting you mentioned uh, young Taylor as well. He's probably the prospect of somehow finding eight goals in the one match this weekend. Um, not that he's incapable of it. We know he's not. But that's probably almost squashed his chances of, uh, of that, having to play on on such an opponent. Um,
0: now, we have spoken a lot about the SNM game, but we are yet to actually get a tip on it.
1: I'm the most confident I've ever been going into
2: an SNM elimination final. I think we're we're actually in better form. So I'm tipping the bombers. I know I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely biased in that um in this game but I think
1: we're going to win I love it often I'd say that the head and the heart perhaps uh, are telling me two different things no I'm I'm into I'm, I'm tipping the bombers and uh, not not just because it's the obviously the result that personally I'd love to see um, I do think that the form is there I know it's not for the dogs as we touched on but that won't take much for them to find a bit of that spark either I just think yeah a few little factors it just seem to be tipping Essendon's waist slightly. It's just got this, a bit like that that lovely sensation and the smell of the springtime cut grass. <laughs> it's just got this feel in the air. Unfortunately, don't ask me exactly what it is because I couldn't explain <laughs> it to you. But it's just a gut feel, nothing more. So, yeah, another one for the dogs.
0: Jens, I'm going to have to agree with you on that one. Uh, I've got to say the way that we played against Collingwood was a, was a telling sign that you know we weren't going to over-celebrate the fact that we've just made it into a finals and that we're we're fully content with that it looks like we're not content with that it looks like we want to go further we want to we want to create a new history you know uh, from from all reports ben Rudden is all about the history of the bombers and he's he's all about creating his own history so there is a huge sense of a legacy involved not only for him but for this playing group and this week Remarkably, I've been pretty relaxed Like you
2: guys said, there is
0: something in the air, Frizy, Regardless of the result, I'm just really proud that we got there, gents
2: So we're all tipping the Bombers So we're setting ourselves up for heartbreak <laughs> <laughs> Let's let's hope for the best What about the Port Adelaide versus Geelong game? sir? who are you tipping?
0: Yeah, I, I've got a good feeling that Port Adelaide might get this one right So I'm going to tip Port Adelaide in this one, gents
2: I'm with you, mate I think Port Adelaide will be too good at home With the crowd there as well
0: yeah, it's going to be a big factor, and apparently dry conditions as well, which I think will suit Port Adelaide.
1: I think uh, three out of three, actually, for mine, so Port as well. Um, I know they've, they've copped plenty, haven't they, for that, for their, their record against the fellow top eight teams. But, yeah, I, I do agree that uh, the, the home crowd factor is always a part. I may have had a different outlook on this game, if it was uh, somewhere else, perhaps uh, MCG or down at uh, Geelong. Although the issue of finals down there, we won't even bring that up. It's a sensitive topic, so probably best left alone. Um, don't, don't want to ride off the Cats because, as I sort of touched on earlier, they have a habit of proving you wrong and uh, and fighting back when you don't expect them to. But as far as tomorrow night goes, yeah, I, I'm I'm leaning towards Port definitely.
0: And Maxi, quick quick tip from you is Tom Hawkins going to have his kicking boots on?
1: I think he
2: will. I think he would have learned from last last time playing there. Hopefully he's realised where to start the ball with his famous left to right <laughs> slider, as BT likes to call it. So, yeah, I think he'll hopefully, for Tom's sake, in, he'll be playing his 300th game on the weekend. So, wow. yeah, <laughs> time flies, doesn't it? Yeah, I think Porto would be too good.
0: With that in mind, essentially we are tipping a Brisbane Essendon semi-final, and that also means with the two GWS one Sydney tip, that means we are looking at a GWS Geelong semifinal. That's a pretty good second week, Jens.
1: You know, possibilities for Bomber fans if they happen to win that as well against Joe. But of course, it's, uh, it's a gamble and I'm sure... Eston fans would uh, like to see nothing less than, uh, than Danaher strolling to victory against them in a final. Boys, I'm just going to throw this out there. It's likely to be incorrect regardless. I almost don't care. The gloves are off. I'm just going to stick it out there. This week for our Bombers is probably the hardest task uh, in terms of perhaps mentally and whatnot and everything that they've got to overcome to get through week one. If they do, in fact, do that, they get through week one, I'm getting a sense of a 2016-style... The lid's oh. off. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I can't believe I've just said it. I almost want to take it back. Wouldn't it be ironic if we were to dethrone them first and then go on that remarkable run? It would just be extraordinary, led by Jakey Stringer. Wow. <laughs>
2: Let's hope so.
0: Let's hope so. We can only dream, gents, but I'm really excited for this weekend of footy. It's going to be great. How good is it to have the finals here, gents? Can't believe it's been nearly an entire year since we last filmed in the ballpark, but it's always a joy. It's always a privilege, gents, to have you here talking footy. It's been an absolute joy as always, gents. Thanks for joining me in the ballpark today.
1: Always a pleasure, sir. So Maxie, brilliant. Thank you, lads. Enjoy your weekend of footy. Only nine games to go, so let's... Uh, Let's cherish them, four of them coming up this week, hopefully four Rippers. Thanks again.
0: Can't wait to see you next week when we talk more about the finals, and let's hope our Bombers are still there. Go the Bombers! See you next time on In the Ballpark.